0: Forget the crap online and listen to Science Verses. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. If you enjoy this flashback to the 1920s with President Warren G. Harding, be sure to check out Parcast Presents for our centennial retrospective on the Roaring 20s. You'll find episodes on the death of silent film star and director William Desmond Taylor, the disappearance of businessman Alfred Loewenstein, the story of the world-famous magician Harry Houdini, and many more. Follow Parcast Presents free on Spotify and anywhere you listen to podcasts. On July twenty
1: seventh, 1923... United States President Warren G. Harding went to bed early. The 57-year-old was exhausted. He'd barely made it through his speeches that day and hadn't even gotten out of his car for a scheduled visit to a Seattle Children's Hospital. He fluffed his
0: pillow and laid back. He must be getting old, but his first term as commander-in-chief was still far from over. He had so much work left to do.
1: Thoughts like these often kept Harding awake, but it wasn't stress that prevented him from sleeping well that night. Instead, just a few hours after he drifted off, he was jolted awake by an intense spike of pain in his upper abdomen. Harding
0: sent for his doctors Charles Sawyer and Joel Boone. Boone believed the pain was a sign that the president had a serious heart problem while Sawyer thought it
1: was all due to a bad plate of crab legs. Harding deferred to Sawyer. Despite Dr. Boone's disapproval, he took the laxatives Dr. Sawyer prescribed. The next day, the president felt better. He was sure the
0: pain and fatigue had just been a simple digestive problem. It was something he had to believe. If it was a heart condition, the prognosis was much worse He couldn't bear to leave the nation rudderless by dying in office. He had
1: to live. Harding's good mood continued until the morning of the 29th. On his way to a hotel in San Francisco, the president suddenly relapsed. His chest felt tight, like it was being crushed in a vice. He was nauseated and sweating profusely. By the time his advisors got him to the hotel room, he looked like he was at death's door. His doctors raced to diagnose his illness, the fate of an entire nation resting in their hands.
0: When our bodies fail, we trust doctors to diagnose the problem. But medicine isn't always an exact science. Sometimes it's a
1: guessing game with life or death stakes. This is Medical Mysteries, a ParCast Original. I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. Every Tuesday,
0: we'll look at the strangest real-life medical cases in history and the experts who raced against the clock to solve them.
1: As we follow these high-intensity stories, we'll explore medical research that might solve the puzzle.
0: You can find episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Medical Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search
1: bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network.
0: This is our first and only episode on the sudden illness that struck President Warren G. Harding during his first term in office in 1923.
1: At the time, doctors believed the 57-year-old's symptoms could have been caused by a stroke, but there have been many other medical theories since then. Some people even believe Harding was poisoned.
0: President Warren G. Harding was only elected to one term as U.S. President. But even during that short time, he managed to distinguish himself. In 1923, he planned an expedition that would make him the first president to ever see the Alaskan territory before it became a state. Later on that same trip, he became the first to visit Canada.
1: Harding loved to travel, and he hoped the long journey would give him time to rest away from the pressures of Washington, D.C. But though he ordered his advisors to keep his schedule leisurely, they packed his trip north with speaking engagements, park dedications, and press events.
0: Even before he embarked on the journey, several observers remarked that 57-year-old Harding looked exhausted beyond his years. His attending physician, Dr. Joel T. Boone, believed his fatigue and occasional chest pain were due to an increasingly dangerous heart problem. He recommended the president suspend his trip to Alaska, but Harding
1: was intent on following through on the trek. Despite the president's obstinacy, Boone's warnings proved prescient. Harding frequently became fatigued and struggled to keep his commitments over the following months. In
0: June of that year, while Harding was on his way to Alaska, Senator Frank Willis from Ohio met with him. He brought reams of notes along with an agenda of five important matters he planned to discuss with the president.
1: But Senator Willis only discussed two of the five items before abruptly ending the meeting. When asked why he'd left early, Willis said ruefully, Warren seemed so tired.
0: The next month, Harding was unable to even finish a round of golf reportedly stopping partway through and skipping ahead to holes 17 and 18 to make it look as if he'd played the entire course.
1: Even so, Harding did his best to grit his teeth through the pain and continue on his tour. After traveling to Canada and Alaska, the president reached Seattle on July 27, 1923.
0: There, he gave several speeches, mostly about his experiences in the Alaskan Territory. At the University of Washington, he even predicted Alaska's eventual statehood.
1: The speech was well-received overall, but many spectators noticed the president was gripping the podium tightly and rushing through his remarks.
0: The longer the speech went on, the faster Harding spoke, struggling to maintain his focus. He felt faint, and his chest began tightening.
1: At points where he should have paused, he plowed ahead not even waiting when the audience applauded or laughed. It seemingly took everything in him not to collapse as he exited the stage, and he was barely able to give a quick smile as he walked away.
0: Afterward, President Harding hustled to his car where he attempted to rest for several hours. His presidential tour was supposed to continue to Portland, Oregon, but Harding was so sick that the event had to be canceled.
1: Instead, he boarded a train to California, where he hoped to convalesce for a few days and then continue his travels. But after waking up in pain in the middle of the night, he called his favorite doctor, a man from Ohio named Charles Sawyer.
0: Sawyer was a homeopathic physician who had never received official medical training. Many homeopaths believed that like cured like, or that chemicals that caused symptoms in healthy individuals could cure patients who suffered from diseases with the same symptoms.
1: In other words, a homeopath might prescribe a substance that prompted a healthy person to cough in order to treat a cold. This way of thinking has since been conclusively proven to have no basis in fact or scientific law.
0: Despite Sawyer's flawed methods, He found his way into President Harding's good graces by diagnosing his wife Florence with a floating kidney in
1: 1905. This condition, also called nephroptosis, meant that Florence Harding's kidney dropped into her pelvis when she stood up. Though the exact cause is unknown, it's believed floating kidneys result when the stabilizing muscles surrounding the organ becomes weak or deficient.
0: Most people's floating kidneys remain undiagnosed. They're usually asymptomatic, but for some, they can cause high blood pressure, nausea, and intense pain that moves from the back to the groin. In Mrs.
1: Harding's case, her discomfort was so severe that Sawyer recommended emergency surgery after correctly diagnosing her. The surgeons wired Mrs. Harding's floating kidney in place to relieve her pain. Thereafter, the family trusted Sawyer completely, though better-trained doctors often disagreed with his prescriptions.
0: Among the most controversial of these were the frequent purgatives and laxatives to keep President Harding's bowel movements regular. Overuse of laxatives is now known to cause a number of health problems, including dehydration and dizziness.
1: According to a paper written by Dr. James L. Roerig, There are several types of laxatives, but stimulant agents are most often abused because they work the fastest. It seems these were precisely the kind of laxatives Sawyer gave to Harding.
0: In the president's case, the most significant side effect of laxative overuse may have been its effect on his heart. Long term, laxatives have also been shown to result in an abnormally fast pulse.
1: Coupled with frequent alcohol and tobacco abuse, it's possible these treatments made the president's cardiac problems even worse. The effect might have been particularly marked as the president embarked on his high-stress tour through Alaska and Canada.
0: Despite all of this, when Harding called for Sawyer on July 27, 1923, complaining of fatigue, shortness of breath, and chest pains, Sawyer didn't suspect heart problems. Instead, he believed the president was suffering from a recurring
1: digestive issue. Harding's other physician, Dr. Boone, disagreed. As he'd warned the president before his Alaskan travels, Boone believed Harding was suffering from some kind of heart problem. After listening to both men, the commander-in-chief decided to wait out the pain and went back to sleep later that night.
0: The next morning, he felt better. He may have ascribed the issue to his digestive problems or believed it had just been about a of temporary fatigue. Either way, when his train arrived in San Francisco on July 29th, he showed no signs of relapse.
1: But as a car took him to the Palace Hotel, he began to feel intense pain in his upper abdomen again. By the time he arrived at his room, he'd nearly fainted. A doctor rushed over, who determined that Harding was suffering not only from a heart problem, but also pneumonia. The prognosis was grave and many worried that things were about to get even worse.
0: When we return, doctors struggled to treat the illness while President Harding's life hangs in the balance. And now back to the story.
1: On the morning of July 29, 1923, President Warren G. Harding nearly collapsed while traveling to a hotel in San Francisco. The 57-year-old was soon diagnosed with heart problems and pneumonia, and many feared for his life.
0: With good reason. Pneumonia is usually caused by a virus or bacteria that inflames the air sacs in the lungs. Common symptoms include chest pain and trouble breathing, both of which Harding was likely already
1: struggling with, thanks to his existing heart issues. The president's lifestyle had likely worsened his symptoms. He loved cigars. And smoking is known to be one of the biggest risk factors for pneumonia. Harding struggled to fight off the infection with shrunken lungs and an overtaxed heart. His
0: situation was definitely dire. Over the next few days, his advisors tried not to panic but it was impossible not to fear for the state of the nation without its leader.
1: At the time, Harding was one of the most popular presidents in U.S. history, and some feared he was irreplaceable. His vice president, Calvin Coolidge, was viewed as an aloof conservative man of action and certainly didn't have the same charisma as Harding.
0: While officials debated amongst themselves, the president was kept in his hotel room on bed rest. Over the next few days, things looked more promising and some advisors let go of their worst fears. Doctors effectively treated the president with digitalis, a botanical extract historically prescribed for heart conditions.
1: Digitalis works by lengthening the resting period of the heartbeat while also strengthening the cardiac muscles contractions. This allows the heart to beat slower while still pumping an adequate supply of blood to the rest of the body. In general, a slower
0: heart rate is desirable, so long as it remains within a reasonable range. According to the Harvard University Medical School, each pulse of blood puts a mild stress on artery walls. More beats per minute means more stress. A faster heartbeat also gives the coronary arteries
1: less time to fill with blood. This means that a slower pulse puts less strain on the circulatory system overall. High heart rates have been linked to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and high blood pressure.
0: This was exactly what Harding's doctors were worried about. But with the help of the Digitalis, the president's health and mood improved. On August 2nd, four days after his arrival in San Francisco, he felt well enough to sit up in
1: bed. His wife, Florence, had been by his side throughout the illness, consulting with Sawyer and the other doctors often. On the night of the 2nd, around 7.30 p.m., she even read him a flattering Saturday Evening Post article about his administration. Harding
0: was in good spirits, and when she paused her reading, he urged her to go on. Florence looked back at the page just as her husband's eyes closed.
1: When she began speaking again, he let out a gasp and convulsed violently. Florence watched in horror as he gripped his chest and fell back onto the bed.
0: His eyes opened wide for a moment and then his pupils rolled back. He struggled to breathe for a few more seconds and then grew still, terribly, horribly still.
1: Florence screamed for the doctors. They arrived in moments and tried to revive Harding, but nothing could be done. The president was dead.
0: The pronouncement sparked panic and uproar in the hotel room. As Florence tried to process his death, doctors and advisors argued vehemently about what to do next.
1: The first White House official to arrive at the hotel was Herbert Hoover, Harding's Secretary of Commerce. Upon hearing the news, He ordered someone to find and inform the Vice President, Calvin Coolidge, immediately.
0: It was no easy task. Coolidge was in Vermont visiting his family, and their home had no telephone. It took the nearest
1: messenger several hours to reach the house. A man of few words, Coolidge received the news quietly. He then dressed, said a prayer, and went out to meet the reporters who'd already gathered outside.
0: At 2.47 on the morning of August 3rd, Coolidge was sworn into office by lamplight. Then, he cleared out the onlookers and went back to sleep. Just like that, the United States had a new leader, one whom many citizens had rarely heard speak at all.
1: Naturally, it didn't take long for a controversy to emerge. A media firestorm began after Secretary Hoover reported that the president had died of a stroke of cerebral apoplexy.
0: Cerebral apoplexy, which refers to symptoms of a stroke, is often associated with a cerebral hemorrhage, which occurs when the brain tissue bleeds inside the skull. According to the American Heart Association, cerebral hemorrhages are the second most common cause of stroke. This potentially fatal condition results when the brain is deprived of sufficient blood flow,
1: leading to permanent damage. Depending on which areas of the brain are affected, the symptoms and long-term effects of a stroke vary. But for the most part, they don't present with the kind of symptoms President Harding experienced.
0: For one thing, symptoms usually begin only minutes before the actual stroke occurs. Thus, If Harding did die of one, it would have been more or less unconnected to the pneumonia and heart problems he experienced in the days before his passing.
1: For this reason, many modern doctors don't believe Harding suffered a stroke at all. And physicians at the time had their doubts as well. Because the president appeared to be getting better just before his death, some even claimed that more nefarious factors were at play.
0: The media reports filed in the days prior to Harding's passing didn't help. Doctors had been overly optimistic and the White House had been eager to calm the nation's fears of losing the president. As the New York Times reported just one day before Harding died, Vice President Calvin Coolidge expressed confidence today that President Harding would recover from his illness. He said he had received a telegram from his secretary at Washington that the condition of the president had improved considerably.
1: Many citizens had been led to believe that Harding would get better and had no idea that his condition was so precarious. As a result, the news of his passing sparked outrage in some who blamed incompetent doctors for his death.
0: Sawyer, the Harding's favorite homeopathic doctor, came under particular scrutiny. But everyone on Harding's
1: medical team felt the pressure. So they advocated for an autopsy to clear their names. The doctors felt the exam would prove that they'd done everything they could to prevent the president's death.
0: But for some reason, Mrs. Harding refused to allow it. Dr. Wilbur, the San Francisco doctor who'd examined him at the Palace Hotel, was incensed. Years afterward, he complained, We were accused of being abysmally ignorant, stupid, and incompetent.
1: Yet there was nothing he could do to deflect the accusations. The autopsy was never performed, and malicious rumors about the president's death continued to swirl. It's
0: possible that Mrs. Harding's refusal was motivated by her religious beliefs, or that rehashing her husband's death through an examination would have been too emotionally painful for her. But many saw her obstinacy as a sign that everything was not as it seemed. Some even believed Florence Harding, the president's wife of over 30 years, had been planning her husband's murder for months.
1: In truth, her relationship with Harding was fraught. He had several extramarital affairs, which his wife knew about. She was torn apart by his cheating, but reportedly felt she'd sacrificed too much for Harding's career to abandon him.
0: For Harding's part, he knew his wife knew about his affairs, but made little effort to stop them. Florence's only solution was to stick by Warren's side as much as possible to prevent him from cheating on her
1: again. Her constant presence only inflamed suspicions further as it positioned Florence as a powerful force in the White House during her husband's administration. Some rumors implied she'd been pulling the strings behind all of Harding's actions as president.
0: No matter how much Florence denied the gossip, it only increased thanks to a flood of political scandals suddenly coming to light. Many officials appointed by President
1: Harding were found to be corrupt or incompetent after his death. Though the president was largely unaware of the illegal activities that went on during his watch, his negligence had allowed bad actors to thrive in the administration.
0: The scandals spawned further conspiracy theories, some of which claimed Mrs. Harding had killed her husband out of mercy to spare his reputation before everything came to light. Her death in November the following year fueled these speculations even further.
1: The conspiracy theories eventually reached a fever pitch, thanks to one of the slimiest members of Harding's administration, Gaston Means. Means
0: was a con man and a forger who'd spent years masquerading as a private detective. Despite a seedy reputation, he was hired by the FBI under Harding. He was eventually ousted from the bureau after some of
1: his many lies were exposed in court. But even two years in prison for perjury wouldn't slow Means down. In 1930, he published a scandalous book entitled The Strange Death of President Harding.
0: In it, Means claimed Harding had architected or encouraged all of the scandals that plagued his administration. Even more salaciously, Means heavily implied that Mrs. Harding had collaborated with her physician, Charles Sawyer, to poison the president. This was apparently done both in retaliation for Harding's affairs and to prevent his corruption from coming to light during his lifetime.
1: The book was a bombshell. Despite Means' continued habit of playing fast and loose with the facts, the exposé did contain a few accusations that were likely true.
0: After all, he'd been a Washington insider for several years. With his penchant for gossip, He'd become privy to many rumors about Harding's sex life, which hadn't been public knowledge.
1: The fact that it contained some genuine insider information made the book seem credible to much of the American public. But its most dramatic claims still require some examination. Could the First Lady really have assassinated the president?
0: Coming up, we'll investigate the allegations that Florence Harding poisoned her husband. And now, back to the story.
1: In 1930, seven years after the death of U.S. President Warren G. Harding, a former FBI official named Gaston Means published a salacious expose. Means implied that the 57-year-old president hadn't died of natural causes, but had instead been murdered. He insinuated that Harding's wife, Florence, had poisoned the president in collaboration with the family's homeopathic doctor, Charles Sawyer.
0: Means was circumspect, careful to only hint at the poisoning rather than to accuse Florence outright. But the nation caught his meaning all too clearly. The book was a bestseller and made many believe in a secret plot to kill
1: President Harding. But whether there was any truth to Means' claims is up for debate. For the most part, Mrs. Harding's accusers have provided few specifics about the alleged poisoning.
0: For instance, Means never specified which poison Florence allegedly used on her husband. This isn't particularly surprising as there are thousands of chemicals that are toxic to the human body.
1: Still, some poisons are more likely culprits given the time period and the circumstances of Harding's death. If Sawyer really did conspire with Mrs. Harding, then arsenic may be the most likely candidate. Arsenic is a chemical element commonly
0: found today in car batteries and bullets. Long-term exposure, usually through contaminated drinking water, can lead to numbness, abdominal pain,
1: heart disease, and cancer. The poisonous effects of arsenic have been known for thousands of years. In 19th century France, It was even called inheritance powder because it was often employed by rich heirs to kill their parents for their inheritance.
0: But arsenic also has been used for medicinal purposes. Powders made from the element were historically purported to remove blemishes, whiten the skin, and to treat syphilis prior to the discovery of penicillin. In
1: 1878, an arsenic solution was even found to help treat leukemia patients by lowering their amount of white blood cells.
0: Naturally, the toxic effects of the solution were eventually found to outweigh its benefits. But the use of medicinal arsenic continued into the 20th century.
1: And Dr. Sawyer was known to prescribe arsenic to President Harding. It's not known how often he gave it to the president or in what dosage. But if it was administered over a long period, it could have made Harding's existing heart troubles much worse. It could have even caused the issues to begin with. If Sawyer had
0: wanted to, he might have been able to slowly and discreetly make Harding sicker over the course of years. But that would have required long-term planning on Sawyer's part.
1: In addition, although Harding did show symptoms which fit with long-term arsenic poisoning, he didn't present with all the telltale signs For example, chronic arsenic exposure is also known to cause a thickening and darkening of one's skin. There's no evidence that Harding experienced either of these.
0: Since there's no record that Sawyer prescribed regular doses of arsenic to Harding, there may not be enough to conclude long-term exposure was the cause of the president's death. However, a high dose, given all at once, leading to acute arsenic poisoning, may be more likely.
1: Being odorless and tasteless, arsenic would have made for an ideal, fast-acting poison. It was also extremely difficult to detect. As Dr. Michael F. Hughes writes, the most visible symptoms of acute arsenic poisoning – nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal pain – could be easily confused with other common diseases at the time, such as cholera and pneumonia.
0: Pneumonia was exactly what Harding was diagnosed with, along with his heart problems. It's certainly conceivable that his physicians made a mistake.
1: If one of the key doctors on the case, Charles Sawyer, had a hand in the poisoning, then his opinion might have held sway over the others. It may have been possible for him to suggest pneumonia to the rest of the medical team early on and thus succeed in masking the effects of the poison.
0: But this is only conjecture. And while arsenic poisoning fits many of Harding's symptoms, there are other poisons that could have led to his death.
1: One of these is oleander. A flowering shrub, oleander is one of the most common garden plants in the world. It's grown widely from Portugal to southern Asia to California, the site of Harding's death.
0: When ingested in high amounts, Oleander is toxic to humans and some mammals. Eating the leaves or sap of the plant can affect the intestines, nervous system,
1: and the heart. Symptoms develop quickly and can vary from nausea and vomiting to abdominal pain, diarrhea, and disrupted heart rate. Often, oleander causes the heart to race and then drop precipitously, accompanied by stronger than average contractions. This
0: description may sound familiar. The effects of oleander poison have been compared to those of digitalis, the same heart medicine Harding was
1: taking at the time of his death. Ingesting too much oleander can cause the heart's contractions to become too strong. This prevents it from relaxing and can lead to death. An overdose of digitalis can do the same.
0: Though it fits with Harding's symptoms, there are some factors that make oleander poisoning a questionable culprit. For one, it takes an extremely large dose to prove fatal to humans.
1: According to a 1996 paper on oleander toxicity written by Dr. Shannon Langford and Dr. Paul Bohr, the human mortality associated with oleander ingestion is generally very low even in cases of intentional consumption, as in suicide attempts. Oleander
0: has an extremely bitter taste. It's also quick-acting, meaning that it couldn't be responsible for Harding's ongoing fatigue, irregular pulse, and other symptoms, which all emerged before August 2nd.
1: An alternative explanation could be that Harding's heart, already overtaxed, was pushed over the edge by a moderate dose of oleander or an overdose of digitalis.
0: If, hypothetically, the president was already in poor health, it could mean that only a small amount of poison was required
1: to kill him. This could be why the president appeared to get better, only to pass away while on the mend. Mrs. Harding may have been hoping her husband would die of the heart trouble and was pushed to take drastic action when his condition seemed to improve and she had access to both Oleander and Digitalis. But this theory doesn't have much concrete
0: evidence to back it up.
1: There wasn't much reason for Sawyer to help Mrs. Harding kill his boss. He never accepted payment for treating the president, but it brought him great renown. And for all the scandal surrounding Harding's administration, Nothing ever emerged that suggested Sawyer had a personal animus toward the president. Nothing other than the baseless allegations in Gaston Means' book. And Means'
0: integrity came under attack in an unexpected way after publication. Three years after its release, in 1933, a journalist named May Dixon Thacker came forward, claiming she had ghostwritten the book for Means. She also said he'd stiffed her afterward and never gave her a share of the profits.
1: Since he'd already collected the lion's share of the royalties, Means was all too willing to denounce his own book after Thacker came forward. He'd begun another grift anyway. Years later, he would be arrested for grand larceny after falsely claiming to know the whereabouts of the Lindbergh baby.
0: Based on these actions and Means' documented history as a con man, it seems doubtful that he had any real evidence of President Harding's poisoning.
1: An alternate explanation favored by most modern doctors is that the President died not of a stroke, but a heart attack.
0: Heart attacks are caused when blood flow to the heart is constricted. This prevents it from pumping oxygenated blood throughout the body leading to chest pain, fatigue,
1: and sometimes death. These symptoms are consistent with what Harding endured in the days prior to his passing. But it also fits with his established medical history. Years before Harding's death, while he was a senator, doctors diagnosed him with an enlarged heart. They told him at the time that the condition would only get worse if he continued his habit of drinking and smoking to excess. An enlarged heart, also known as cardiomegaly,
0: is a serious condition that can lead to cardiac failure. Beginning in 1919, it was diagnosed by taking a chest x-ray and measuring the diameter of the heart at its widest point. That measurement was then divided by the width of the ribcage. If the heart was found to be more than half the size of the rib cage, it was classified as enlarged.
1: This condition can result from a variety of diseases and genetic factors. In many cases, doctors are unable to pin down a specific cause, but obesity, tobacco use, high blood pressure, and diabetes can all make the condition worse.
0: Harding was obese and likely suffered from high blood pressure as well. He smoked heavily even after he was diagnosed, straining his heart even further.
1: But his drinking may have been the most significant contributor to his cardiomegaly. In the short term, anyone who drinks alcohol experiences a temporarily heightened heart rate. Over time, alcohol abuse can lead to continuing increases in both heart rate and blood pressure. The increased pressure weakens the heart
0: muscles and can cause them to strain. In Harding's case, his left and right ventricles, the large chambers of the heart, were stretched thin. This type of cardiomegaly is known as dilated cardiomyopathy.
1: Once a heart is sufficiently enlarged it often requires lifelong management. Meticulous care is essential because the more the heart grows, the less overlap there is between the thin muscle fibers. This
0: makes it more difficult for the fibers to pull on one another to contract the heart.
1: Thus, the muscles must work harder to pump blood through the body. All of this can eventually lead to an irregular heartbeat, chest pain, and heart failure. Outcomes which became increasingly more likely as Harding continued to stress his circulatory system throughout 1923.
0: Considering the president's heart problems were so well documented,
1: it seems odd that the doctors attributed his death to a stroke. But modern cardiac medicine was in its infancy in 1923 and physicians at the time might not have been as familiar with the common signs of a heart attack. The first practical electrocardiograph used to measure heart rate had only been invented at the turn of the century around 1901.
0: Most often, doctors in the early 20th century relied on special watches and stethoscopes to measure a patient's pulse diagnostic tools were far more limited than they are today, even for someone like the president with the best technology and facilities available.
1: After all, the American Heart Association wasn't created until 1924, the year after Harding's death. At the time of its founding, the association was primarily concerned with learning about the heart, rather than educating the public. The medical community knew little about cardiac disease and there weren't many existing treatments for heart conditions. Even things we now know are essential, such as a healthy diet, weren't connected to heart function until the 1950s.
0: The general lack of knowledge about cardiac health is often blamed for President Harding's demise. It provides a reason for his sudden passing and explains why contemporary doctors likely
1: misidentified his cause of death. Even so, without an autopsy, it's impossible to know for sure whether the president died of a stroke, a heart attack, or something else.
0: And considering the corruption that plagued his administration during his lifetime, it's entirely possible unknown seedy forces were at work behind the scenes.
1: After all, things were never what they seemed with Harding. At first glance, he appeared to be a successful and popular president. But after his passing, scandal after scandal emerged tainting his legacy. It could be that the biggest scandal, the true cause of his death, remains under wraps to this day.
0: Thanks for listening to Medical Mysteries. For more information on President Harding's death, amongst the many sources we used, we found the article, The Strange Death of Warren G. Harding, written by Dr. Howard Markle, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, But now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Medical Mysteries, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker.
1: To stream Medical Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar.
0: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. Medical Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joel Stein. This episode of Medical Mysteries was written by Terrell Wells, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner.